0: Hi there. I'm interrupting this podcast because I want you to know about something that's time sensitive. On Tuesday, March 10th at 10 a.m., I'm hosting a free one-hour live training, and you're invited. In fact, all you have to do is go to truthtable.com/free-training and sign up for the reminders, and it'll give you everything to log in and get there. You know. The whole training is about living powerful in a demanding world. And I don't know about you but I often wish I knew the secrets to how people live powerful I always am curious like what do you do that helps you live the life that I want to live or live my life better and so this training is all about strategy it's I'm gonna unpack things I use every single day to run a ministry an organization and my family and my marriage and all the things that are on my plate so I encourage you join us 10 a.m. on the 10th we also will have another play at five thirty that evening if you can't make that one. Uh, but most importantly, I just want you to feel empowered and I don't want you to miss out. So again, go to truththetable.com slash free dash training and save your spot. and I'm Havilah Cunnington. Happy February. Yes, we are already in the second month of the year and we're cruising through 2020. I don't know about you, but it feels like I've already lived an entire year in the last six weeks. How does that happen? I think having a lot of kids and a busy life and a work life, you just have deadlines and criteria all around you and things just seem to, well, seem to get filled. By just the regular things of life, and last week we took our winter break with our kiddos, and you know we haven't always had a winter break. Apparently, it's kind of a real thing that people <laughs> they know about. Uh, but our kids go to a little private school, and things seem to be just different than the regular world. And one of those realities is that we have not had a winter break. We've always had extended three day weekends in February and finally the school said, you know what? Instead of us having four school day, you know, week four four week school days, what if we just did a winter break? And they implemented that mm, I'd say last year was the first year that they kind of went with that. And usually we always took our kids out one week during February. I don't know if it's just feels like a good time, but you're done with the holidays. You're done with, you know, beginning school again and getting in the rhythm. And we always took our kids to Disneyland when it was the cheapest and emptiest and just easiest to get our kids out of school. And so about mm, two years ago, the school said, we're going to implement winter break. And we asked that you please take your break during this week. So we honored our school's request and set up this week, winter week, to go to Disneyland, which apparently... Everybody else thought winter week would be a great week to go to Disneyland. (laughs) It was so full. I was shocked and I got really nervous because usually we go when it's a ghost town, which means all prices are lower. Um, The hotels are lower. We get the three-day pass, which is super cheap and it it just makes it worth it. And This year, prices went up. And it was packed and hotels were up, but we were trying to keep with this winter break request. So we set it up and I finally started telling Ben, you know, I'm just going to go online and look at the, there's this schedule you can find out how busy the the whole park is. And so I pull up this February schedule and it says first week is ghost, second week is ghost, and then like third week is (laughs) packed. I'm like, oh no. That is the week we're going. I'm not even going to think about this too much. And finally, I sat and talked to one of my friends, Nicole, and she said, Hey, have you thought about Max Pass, which is you have to add a little bit more, uh, pay a little bit more, but you actually get to do your Fast Pass on your phone. And so we bit the bullet and decided to invest in that. And that changed our whole experience. So, yes, it was full, but we rode all the rides we wanted to ride and had a great time. And I just I love Disneyland and I I did a little research. I don't know if you're like me, but once I start being curious about something, I want to get in there and read about it and invest and research and find out why it is so unique. And I have these friends in my life that are highly educated, successful women that adore Disneyland. And so it's not like, oh, it's for those people that, you know, they they don't require much or, you know, it's very juvenile. No, no, no. In fact, the women that I know specifically that love it are make over seven figures and they are intelligent college graduates but just love Disneyland. So I started doing this research to find out why? Why do they why do we love it so much and there's not like these definite statistics on it. It's just one of the things that they relate it to is that everything is so predictable that it allows you to relax. And so I know what it's going to smell like. I know what it's going to sound like. I know what the ride is going to be like. And so the predictability of Disney allows those of us that maybe have an overworking mind or an overworking life, allows us to relax in the predictability and the consistency of Disneyland. So I don't know if that's true, but I took it as biblical truth and (laughs) wrapped it around my reality of Disney. And it is true. I do feel very relaxed when I'm there, even though I'm around a lot of people. And what was amazing was how many of you stopped me and said, thank you, Havala, for your messages, or I follow you, or I love what you put out there. I was so shocked and I think a little embarrassed because it would be like I'd be walking around with my mini ears on living my, you know, 12-year-old best self and then somebody would say, I love your messages. And it was almost like that reality of like, oh, wait, I'm an adult. I have a real life. (laughs) I'm feeling a little embarrassed. It's almost like somebody who you're on the beach and you're in your bathing suit. I remember a couple months ago, not months ago, years ago, I was on the beach with my kids and... I'm just living it up with my kids and someone yells out, "Havala! I love your bathing suit. <laughs> I was just like, oh my gosh, thank you. But I'm humiliated because I don't want anyone to be thinking of me in my bathing suit and knowing who I am. I want to be completely anonymous in my bathing suit. <laughs> I don't know if you feel that way, but I was like, oh gosh, let's pull this bathing suit back over my cheeks and (laughs) suck my belly in for a minute. So I was just living in that reality at Disneyland of people interrupting, but I really do love it and it would put a big smile on my face and I would feel just so happy that there are so many of you that love what we put out and the way that we serve you. (sighs) Yeah, I'm smiling right now just thinking about it. But anyway, as we're walking around Disneyland, one of the things I would find myself saying to my kids is, Are you happy? Does this make you happy? Do you love this? Isn't this awesome? Don't you just doesn't this just make you so excited? And I found that I was saying it because that's how I was feeling. I was feeling joy. I was feeling contentment. I was feeling gratitude. Like the fact that I could take my kids to Disneyland, all of the flights and the preaching and the writing and the early hours and the lack of sleep and the navigating, you know, trying to make my life make sense and work and, you know, the hustle and just how hard it is. I'm sorry, but some people are like anti-hustle. I'm like, that's great if you don't have bills to pay and you don't have to like figure your life out. But for me, The hustle is part of it. It's, I want to be the most fantastic mom and the most fantastic wife. And I want to be, you know, an incredible servant of Jesus Christ. And that requires me to show up wholehearted every single day and do the work and show up and not just medicate or check out or be apathetic, but actually rise to the occasion. And that requires me to be diligent and show up when I'm said I'm going to show up. And you know, put my heart into it when I don't want to put my heart into it, but just just respond to that grit, right? That spiritual grit that says, "I'm going to be engaged in my life. And so being able to walk through Disneyland and realize, like all of this is not just because somebody just gave me money to do this, but a lot of our hard work created the industry to bring the income in that allows me to have this moment with my kids where they can they can walk down the streets of Disneyland and I'm like oh I'm so happy because it's the benefit it's we're not putting this on the credit card we're not you know b- borrowing from you know Peter to pay Paul we're not just hoping that it works no no we have done our work we have scheduled we have budgeted we have saved in order to live this moment which makes it so much more of a fuller experience. When you put the work in, there's something about it where you just embrace it more because you did it, right? It's that sense of confidence and success. So I keep telling my kids, oh, I'm so happy. Are you so happy? And I did a little more research on happiness and contentment. And there was this really interesting thing I came across where there's this guy who does something called, he's a doctor, um, of, I believe psychology, but he does this thing about uh, happiness. It's called the Happiness Project. And it's linked to understanding how happy you are and how to rate yourself when it comes to happiness. And he created this um thing called the happiness test. And this test gives you questions that helps you understand how happy and content you are. There's only five questions and all you have to do is rate yourself between one and seven, seven being the most positive all the way to one being the least positive. But what it does is it shows you kind of like what makes you happy. So I'm going to walk you through these five things. I'm going to tell you my score, and then I'm going to talk a little bit more about happiness and contentment. So he did a research. He figured out how people were happy, what created the most happiness, and how to actually score it. He is a best-selling author. Multiple times you can find out who he is. I haven't done a lot of research on him, but I liked this. So the first question is, in most ways my life is close to ideal. In most ways, my life is close to ideal. Rate yourself between one and seven, seven being the most positive. Number two, the conditions of my life are excellent. The conditions of my life are excellent. Don't overthink this, just the immediate response between one and seven. Just think about that. Number three, I am most I'm sorry, I am satisfied in my life. Number three, I am satisfied in my life. Number four, so far I've gotten the most important things I want in life. So far I've gotten the most important things I want in life. Number five, if I could live my life over, I would change almost nothing. If I could live my life over, I would change almost nothing. So take that score between one and seven and uh, go all the way through it and add it up. Now, hopefully you can do that in your mind. You might have to write it down. But once you add it up, what he found was that if you scored 15 or under, you are dissatisfied in your life. In fact, you're kind of at a crisis when it comes to how you're doing in your life, processing your life. And so uh, under 15, yeah, you got some work to do and... Maybe not necessarily work in terms of to change your life, but maybe some of the perspectives and renewing your mind and figuring out what really matters. If you scored 31 or higher, you are extremely satisfied in your life, 31 or higher. Um, And he really talks about that if you're somewhere in the middle, uh, you can learn to live a little more satisfied in your life and figure that out. In In fact, he really talks about one of the keys to becoming more happy is to overcome destination addiction, which he defines living in the not now. So it's always living for the future. It's when this happens, when I get married, when I have the baby, when I pay the debt off, when I get the ministry, when, uh, you know, whatever, when I lose the weight. It's like we're always living outside of what we are living in right now and requiring us to, well, we just obsess about the destination. I relate to, I relate to that wholeheartedly. Not so much in my life at the moment because I have done the work to figure out how not to live in the destination like addiction. And that was really something that I've had to focus on because even in my Strength Finder test, and if you're not familiar with Strength Finder, it's a book where it just gives you your top five strengths. You can buy the book, take the test. It's nothing about your weaknesses or your constraints. It's all about your strengths and what makes you you. And one of my top ones is Futuristic. I mean, I live for the future. I think about the future. I love it. And so that's great. But the negative side of that is that I'm always worried about the future. I think about what's what it's going to look like, who I'm going to be, what I'm going to have, how my kids are going to do, what my marriage is going to be like. And I'm always thinking futuristic, which actually robs me of being present today. And so he really talks about making sure that you begin to really figure out why am I living for the future and how can I be more present today. And then he always uh, he also said that there are ways that we can improve our score and there are two distinct ways. The first way is to learn to let go of our past. If we have to give uh, we have to give up all hopes for a perfect past, let go, it's gone. So learn to let go of your past. We have to learn to give up our hopes of a perfect past and let go because it's gone, that is really powerful. Are you letting that sink in for a minute? The, the idea that our past must be perfect in order for our present to be purposeful, that's really powerful. And how do we let go and say, my past is not perfect, but it's not my present and it's not my future. Wow, I love that. And then number two is to take a vow of kindness, to be kind to yourself and to others. I found that this was really profound in my life when it came to being more present and being more satisfied and fulfilled. And I remember my counselor saying to me, Havala, you need to be nice to the little girl inside of you. I never thought of it like that. I, my parents had never talked to me like that, but it was true. There was this little girl inside of me that had never been here before and she doesn't know what to do and she's never had to manage this and navigate this and all the information that's coming at her. So be kind to have And I had never thought of that. And I often spend time thinking about the reality that I have never been here. I've never been 42. I've never had four kids at this age. I've never been married this long. I've never been this old before. I've never had this much responsibility. So instead of me feeling guilty that I'm not an expert in this season, rather pulling back and giving myself permission to be a learner, to be a student of this season. And to say, Havala, it's okay to not know how to do this as long as you are kind to yourself. And when you're kind, I think it opens up your life more. Like I remember someone saying, you know, when somebody's checking you out at the store and they're in their 40s or 50s, and they're a little bit agitated, like realize that they probably don't wanna be there. They don't wanna be there at 40 and 50 checking somebody out at the store. And it was like this realization of like, it's true. Like these are real people and they they probably don't want to be cleaning the bathroom when you walk by at the public park or, you know, in the airport. And so be kind, realize that they are living their life and being realizing like, I think empathy is really powerful and empathy to realize that. The reason somebody might be having a hard time is probably rarely you. It has to do with their own mountains that they're climbing and their own stuff that they're working through. And I remember growing up, my mom, we would talk about somebody being mean to my sister and I or at school having a hard time. And my mom would always say, have a let, you know, think about what they might be going through you know, realize that maybe they're having a hard time or we don't know what's happening at home with them or we don't know what they've had to experience. And my mom would always challenge me to consider what it was like for someone else. And I used to hate that because I was like, I'm your kid. You need to fight for me. Like, who cares? They're being mean or they're being selfish or, you know, they don't need to act like that. But my mom was always challenging me like, hey, look at the other person. Maybe there's stuff you don't know about and their response maybe has to do with something you have nothing to do with. And when she said it, I used to fight it, but now it's one of my most powerful tools is empathy of, you know what? I don't know what's going on with them. I have no idea what they've gone through. I don't know their past. I don't know their private life. I don't know their marriage. I don't know their kids. But one thing I do know is, is that their response to me says everything about them and they're going through it. And so I love that, to be kinder to ourselves, but also to be kinder to other people. So I scored personally, I scored 30 on this test. I thought I was being really generous and thought I would probably would be fine. (laughs) And I wasn't, 31 is highest, but it showed me that, okay, I need to work on this, letting go of my past and being kinder to myself and others. I thought that was really powerful. So I'm curious, what was your score? And are there areas that you can actually grow in being kinder to yourself and kinder to others? And also maybe letting go of your past. I'm going to make a post on my Instagram about this. And I would love to know what you scored and what you learned from this podcast. Oh, take a deep breath. There's lots to learn and grow. and you know you can always change your life. That's what I love about being a Christ follower is that he can redeem everything, He can restore everything, He can put purpose in everything that we've experienced. So I I just take comfort in knowing that he is he is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do. So anyway, I hope this is interesting to you. I always love this kind of stuff. Again, uh, it's called the Happiness Project. And you can find it online and there's probably a lot more to this. But that's all for now. Hey, quick, quick reminder. If you love this podcast, would you do me a huge favor and leave me a review? Um, I read every single review and I did not understand this. I would hear people say, leave me a review. I'm like, what do you need? Like, it's, you need um, podcast affirmation? Like, what's happening? But what I didn't realize was that in order for people to find the podcast, they need a review. And so they they start to look through those. And I know, I understand, like I've rarely left reviews, but the people that I really enjoy, I spend time just popping over and leaving a review. It really matters and it helps other people find it. And it's basically the best way that you can pay me back for this podcast ministering to you. So please, 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 um other than that, make sure you download our Truth the Table app. You can find all of our latest courses there and we have some really exciting news coming up in the next week or two. So, please stick with us cuz I've got I got some news that I haven't been able to share and I've been waiting on it and my team said not yet, lay. but you can share next week. So, make sure you follow this podcast. Other than that, I love you guys. Have a great day and I'll catch you next time.